20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Not just any Friday. It's a Mike Wall Friday. I'm joined once again by the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Of course, you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. Mike, a three-game winning streak, four out of five, huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's great to have you back on the show. Let's talk some freaking Green Bay Packers. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know what I just noticed for the first time? That uh, when I come on here or anything else on StreamYard, I have hashtag MikeWall68, which is completely wrong. I'll have to fix that at some point. I have never noticed that either. Yeah, which is really, really funny. It's only been a couple of years. That's, no, I mean, it's me. It's not you. I, it's when you come in the screenshot. Please but you continue. Would think that, like, at some point I would recognize it. By the way, <laughs> back on. let's talk about that impressive Packers victory. There's certain things like maybe you could say, well, the Chargers, like they, they dropped us some passes and they gave the ball away and did some things and it helped Green Bay. Uh-huh. Maybe you can make the argument against Detroit of like, all right, it's a Thursday game. Weird things happen on Thursdays. Detroit's maybe not been trending the greatest. They had that weird game against Chicago. Their mm-hmm. defense is struggling a little bit. Maybe. Okay, whatever. But, man, Casey at home, Sunday night football, Patrick Mahomes, this felt insanely legit against a really good Spagnolo defense, which we talked about all last week. This was a really fun win for Green Bay. Yeah, it was. And the spec- let's just talk about the our offense versus their defense and how Matt LaFleur and that coaching staff continue to put together gems that are from a – just a, a, a menu of play calls. And one thing that they're really doing now, because we thought we talked about Steve Spagnuolo and what is it? Pressure equals uh, or pressures at a premium. And they're going to bring slot blitzes. They're going to bring a lot of pressure from those linebackers, how aggressive they played towards the line of scrimmage. And what you started seeing was very, very early, we're using motion for to make the reads really simple for Jordan Love. So that, that motion's doing an, a couple things. One, if you're motioning fast, it's really checking the whole card of that of that backside safety on how fast they're going to rock and roll if they're playing zone or if they're going to go across in man. Are you going to have leverage on that wide receiver going across the ball? So that's one thing. It puts it put those guys in disadvantageous situations. But the more important thing is it's making the reads for Jordan Love in this group really easy pre-snap. So yeah. you can figure out pre-snap what they're in. But then post-snap, even that under center play action pass, shotgun play action pass, all the stuff they're doing he really has to read one guy. And it's like, I'm going to read that guy. I know I know what coverage you're in. Snap, read that guy, make the throw. And he's doing it on time, and he's doing it at a much higher level than he was earlier in the year. I think that's partly because he's getting better, but I also think that has a lot to do with how Matt's calling these plays. And then, obviously, wide receivers and tight ends, I think, are doing a much better job of putting themselves in a position to be successful. It's amazing when everything comes together exactly like that. And I give Matt a ton of credit for, like you said, that the game plan and making things a little bit more simplified on offense. But I also give him credit for just utilizing the players and I think the ways that they can be used best. And I've talked about in the past, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running back. But I even think, to your point, like Jordan's a part of this as well, giving him the ability to have the one read and then play in rhythm. Because as we've seen all the time, when he's on point in rhythm, getting back to his drop and ripping the ball, he's really, really good. I think Matt's done a great job of getting him more of those type of reads. I go to the four by one, the the motion, the the fake toss to the right, and then you've just got the the, the receiver coming. The I think crosser, was, yeah, the crosser, the craft, the yeah, craft, yeah, mm-hmm. and he just hits it in stride, and it's like just easy, beautiful, fun stuff. And like, I give me that stuff. All that you've got the play action with the extra offensive lineman, where mm-hmm. you get two tight ends wide open in the end zone. Like, just sign me the hell up for the rest of the season. Let's, so let's talk about that when they bring the fullback and they bring 44 in and they and they run the top. They first of all they ran the they ran the orbit and then they ran the toss. Yeah. They gave it to AJ. 
And then in the same, I think it was the same series. It's first series, right? Or maybe I, it was the second right. series. Yeah, so, first and second. Yeah, so first and second. And then literally they come back with the exact same look. And, and this is what we've been talking about all year. And this is how you build out your menu when you're talking about how to construct a very viable game plan against a defense that's going to give you a bunch of different uh, pressure looks. You show them the fullback lead on the toss play. Yep. And then you come back because it's a very unique look. Like everybody, if you're a casual fan, you're like, this does not look normal, right? They've done something different here. And that defense, are, all their eyes are going to go over to the left. And all of a sudden, Tuck Graf's right behind you on the right. Eric Reed, the safety missed it. The linebacker missed it. Drew, Kren, Drew Tranquell getting injured early in this game actually had a really big yeah, impact on this bad. game because he's, he's a really good player for them. But those kind of things, making it complementary football from a run pass or a run play action standpoint is huge. But again, it's those are – I'm not trying to minimize – like Jordan loves processing information better, so we're not trying to say like he needs to, everything to be dumbed down. That's not it. But you yep. certainly do play faster when it's one read, like pre-snap read, post-snap read, get rid of the ball. It's certainly going to be able to play faster and kind of let your natural athleticism. Much like we talked about Quay Walker last year, when you wanted to get him on track, like start sending him on dogs. Why? Because there's less to think about. Just be a football player, right? You have to go in the A-gap, beat the guy in the A-gap. And I think when you get young players and you really start getting them in a the groove, it's like reduce the amount of decisions they have to make, make them elite-level decision makers at that one or two things, and then let them go out and be themselves. Yeah. Good friend of the show, Ben Fennel, who I'll be talking to later this week, always says football doesn't have to be hard. Offense doesn't have to be hard. And right. it, it felt like, you know, they did some really great things in this game to make it not quite as complicated, not dumb it down, but just simplify it, make it easy. And that's what good coaches do on both sides of the ball is to make things easy for their players to make those easy decisions. Yeah, no doubt. And, and when you just talk about even from the, even from a route menu, if you just go look back at the two games prior what is beating the Kansas city chiefs? Like what route, what combinations and just revisit it. Like it's not right. Just dress it up a little bit different. You've got great athletes. And to your point earlier, and I think we talked about this last week, the change in ever since they ran that, that Omaha pump, like the change in yeah. how they utilize specific players for specific things, Jaden Reed, getting the ball in that first snap of the game, you know, just let, letting you know, like this is actually part of our running game now. Right. I think taking Christian Watson and letting him go on, or the first snap of the game was actually Christian Watson down the middle for the 20 yard comeback. Right. And then yep. what is that doing? Well, that's challenging leverage of the, of, of the, uh, of the safeties understanding, Hey, under center play action, linebackers are going to, are going to clog up. And then of course these guys are worried about his speed. So we're going to give it to you. And, and it's creating opportunities based on the characteristics of your player. And it takes time to do that. Um, he, I think right now you could make the argument that, that coach the floor is, is coaching at the highest level that we've seen him over the last four seasons. Couldn't agree more. And I feel like this looks like a totally different team from earlier this season. You go back to some of the stuff that was happening earlier from Jordan trying to take the snap for a QB sneak and the ball's not snapped from guys like running into the backfield and the running back would get the ball and there's three guys waiting for him to a lot of pre-snap penalties and just mistakes. And this team beating itself over and over to this, to not trailing for a single second against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think they trailed against Detroit either, if I remember correctly, either. If they did, it wasn't for long. Um, like, this is a totally different team. Is there anything else that you're picking up on from this team that just looks so different than it did earlier this season? And how has it gotten better? I know you put a tweet out there um, that said it, it, you know, you had heard that there's maybe a little bit more extra time going on mm. with the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends. It's paying off and that these young players are really taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah, certainly. That's, I think that's part of it. But 
the ebb and flow of, of teams and, and how they play during the course of the season is always going to change. It's going to be different from team to team. And I think this, this team was not playing very well early in the season. They're starting to improve and, and, and maybe peak in December at the right time. A lot of these other teams are finding that November lull is a real deal. Like we, when, as a player, I can tell you that November is the worst year to, or the worst month of the year to play football. It's just everything. You're just grinding and grinding and grinding. It's tough to get motivated to as a team, not necessarily as individuals, but as a team, you find a lack of motivation there. You're just trying to get to December and get to that playoff hunt. So I think part of it is just the ebb and flow of the game. But when you just break down, what's what is the real difference between October and the end of November and, and beginning of December here? I think one thing you just have to point out is the defensive line is playing at a much higher level individually. I think guys are just making plays and beating 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 their uh, offensive counterparts. And then on the offensive line, we're not making the same mistakes. Like we're not whiffing. You don't see guys just whiffing on summarily whiffing on players and run plays like. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I, I thought Josh Myers, I think there was going to be a hunting party out for him. You know, everybody was so against him. But the reality is, like, the guy plays at a pretty high level, and he just had to clean up those glaring errors. And one thing that's happened, Andy, is, and I know you know this, but because everybody has access to this tape, it's so easy for us to put out a clip of a guy getting beat twice in a game and going like, oh, man, he sucks. Oh, terrible the truth yep. is, like, we all get beaten in games two or three, four times. You know, I've whiffed. And Kevin Williams put me – I remember Kevin Williams stuck his hand in my chest, and literally I went – the first thing he hit was the back of my helmet. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. And nobody even knows that play happened because it wasn't available, and it was a three-step drop, and Brad got rid of the ball. But those things happen. And yep. so I think these guys, for me, as you watch the entirety of the tape, I'm not – this is certainly not a dominant offensive line, particularly in the run game. But the emergence of Jack Tom has been big. And I think John Rennie Jr. and Josh Myers have elevated their place since the beginning of the season. And what you're seeing and, – and Elton Jenkins, to be fair. And what you're seeing now is a line that's not making these egregious errors that lead to, like, you know, second and 13. Let's, let's talk about Josh Myers for a second because, to your point, there's a, there's a play out there this week where Chris Jones is actually on the fourth and one. Chris Jones smokes Josh Myers. Yep. And you can point to it and be like – Oh my goodness. Like it's Josh Myers again. Mm-hmm. I thought Josh Myers was fantastic in this game outside of that one play. And guess what? It's Chris freaking Jones. You know what? Chris Jones beat Zach Tom on a play. He beat John Runyon Jr. on a play, beat Sean Ryan on a play, beat Josh Myers on a play. He might've beat Elton on a play. I don't even know, but like he beat everyone in that game, at least for one play. I have no issue with that play for Josh Myers. That's going to happen. Cause that's Chris freaking Jones. I thought the rest of his game was awesome this week. He's, I think he's playing better, you know, and you just – you continue to – well, here's what happens as you as you grow and develop as a player. And, like, so what are the benchmarks you're trying to find? So Josh Myers is a high-round draft pick from Ohio State. You expect him to come in here and be the next Corey Lindsley. And he looks the part, I think, the first season. Yep. And then the second season, eh, we're coming and going a little bit. And, and maybe there's been a little bit of a regression here in this, in this past season, at least in the beginning. But what you're looking for as a player is, like, Josh, you need to get to the point when you're playing against an average player, you win all the time. Like you can't lose to average players. That's the big deal. You sh- and you have to have the, the wherewithal and the intelligence to and the football IQ to be able to understand. And when they're giving you tips, tells, and tendencies, you need to be able to make take the right steps, have the right balance, right footwork, right hand placement. So you just don't lose to bad players. And then now, so if you say to me, well, he's he's losing to Chris Jones, I go, okay, everybody loses to Chris Jones. Yeah, to your point. Yeah. Everyone's gonna lose at least once, right? So now it's like what are you doing against the other guys? And if you're winning against the other guys consistently, you have to feel good about the progression that he's making because I think a little bit last year, certainly earlier in the season, you would look at some of the guys that he's losing to and you go, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like a second-round pick from Ohio State should be losing to this guy, right? So that's for me, that's the maturation process. It does take time, and, and it looks like he's certainly heading the right direction. 
fingers crossed, couldn't agree more. And hopefully that continues moving forward. I wanted to talk about the end game in this one really quick. A lot's been made of the past interference or lack thereof. A lot's been made of the late hit out of bounds. Um, certainly you can touch on those as well. But I did want to for sure talk about one that I haven't touched base on too much this week. And that was the last play on offense. And that was Jordan Love taking the sack. Yeah. And it's very few and far between where it's a positive to take a yeah. sack. That might have been one of the very few and far between situations where it was a positive to take a sack. Yeah, certainly. And I'm guessing that the coaching staff told in, said in the ear, like, you do not throw this ball away. It's either a completion or a sack. And you just go ahead yep. and take it. Because you know that I think Zach Tom is the one who officially gave up the sack there to Chris. But the reality is Jordan was never going to throw that football if, unless it was wide, uh, wide ass open. And the reason for that being I think they went from a minute 56 or a minute 57 on the clock because remember the Chiefs didn't have any timeouts. So yep. when you kick that field goal and you get it down to like 105, 104, you've wasted 45, 55 seconds of time uh, in that in that segment where now Patrick Mahomes, now we know we can do it with 13 seconds left on the clock, but you're trying to reduce that time as much as possible. And, you know, that's a situation you'll never hear me say, take a sack. Like you'll never hear me like the whole Joe Burrow thing where he's like, it's third and 12 down there. I'm going to take a sack. It's like, dude, that does so much damage to your offense, like the psyche of your offense. I think it's such a bad idea, but in this situation, really, really smart play for sure. Yeah, I think so too. And I was surprised. I thought I didn't think they were going to run the ball in that situation specifically, but I thought they would find a safe pass that maybe it's like a run after the catch opportunity where mm -hmm. maybe you pick it up. Maybe you don't. I don't mind the fact that they went for the kill shot. It was unfortunate that Casey covered it perfectly and there was nowhere to, there's nowhere to go with the ball. And it was literally throw it away or eat the, eat the sack. And, you know, maybe he could have stepped up a little bit, maybe gained a few yards. So it's not a 10 yard sack, but that's nitpicking at that point. I thought it was heads. Up. I thought to the, on the whole day, I thought Jordan played heads up, whether it was the fourth and one where he gives, you know, Romeo a chance at the ball in that situation. If it's picked off, it's picked off. It's better than taking the sack there in that situation. Yeah. Um, taking the sack late in the game. It just, it really feels like he's maturing and, and coming up big in those key situations. Yeah. I was, I was, I was surprised. Listen, you got to throw it for them to catch it. Right. So that fourth and one play, it's like, if you don't throw it and you just, you take one on the chin there, then, you know, if you don't put it in, in, in play, they could pick it off. They probably should have picked it off, but they didn't pick it off. Cause you, sometimes those plays are being made. Right. Um, what was interesting about that play for me was the check down was wide open. And so, and be, and what they did is something really smart. It's fourth and one, but you're in that strike zone. So they sent everybody deep. And I think it was AJ Dillon just kind of leaked out at the end. I mean, yeah. we're talking wide open. Like that was, it was just a no brainer play. Now he, there was Chris Jones is in his face. All these things are happening. But when they had the, the third and six or whatever it was, and he took the sack, I'm thinking like, Oh, you're, they're going to run the same play. Because why not? Because you know you see what the linebackers have been doing in those situations. So that clear, I thought they were going to go back and get the clear out and then go ahead and, and give AJ the ball because he's doing a really good job of the yards after catch. You know those things happen. But you know to your point with that fourth and one, listen, that is a that is a probably an ill advised throw thrown off your back foot and all those things, and it, and it worked out. The thing about Jordan though is interesting. Like kind of side note is look how many balls he throws off his back foot. Like it's nuts. And I you keep in my mind I keep going like it's going to catch up with you, dude. But it hasn't really caught up with him in the last couple of games. He looks really good. Um, but, you know, certainly I, I'm, I'm Brett Favre's lineman, right? You got to throw the ball up if you want your receiver to catch it, right? This, this isn't, you know, we're not doing anything uh, fancy pants here. Give those guys the opportunity to make plays. It will be interesting as time goes on, the back foot, the arm angles, all of that, if, if that does catch up with him at some point. But for right now, keep doing what he's doing because it's been a lot of fun to watch him grow and progress. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time 
that you make, Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their pizza pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love Crazy bread, love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I want to talk just a second about Christian Watson. You talked about him a little bit earlier. It does feel like when he's playing at the top of his game, it opens up a lot in this offense. You mentioned the dig route at the beginning of the first play of the game 
where he's just using his speed to go right at the safety and then he cuts down and he's wide open in the middle of the field. You know, we see that play that he's able to make in the back of the end zone. Jordan throws him a ball where only he's able to get it. He comes up with a touchdown over the middle on the other play where Jordan does a phenomenal job stepping up in the pocket, stopping, eyes up, finds Christian, throws with anticipation. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But he also had that anticipation throw to the sideline, I think, on a third down where yep. Watson came back to it, caught it along the sidelines. Like when those two are connecting at that level, it opens up so much more in this offense and it just changes the entire dynamic. Christian didn't practice today. Hopefully it's nothing long term. We don't we don't know anything yet. But um, when really good Christian Watson shows up, a really good offense usually shows up, too. Yeah. And again, I think everybody's been saying this. He's he's being used in the way that just as a casual observer, it makes the most sense. You know, you, you put him in, in situations where he can run away from people or get him moving full, get him moving full speed so he can use his athleticism. You know, that Jordan Love throw to the back of the end zone um, uh, from the right side. That was one of the best throws that you're, you're ever going to see this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, the catch was great. You're going to see that catch again. That was a ridiculous throw. I mean, just a, in the back foot, just an absolute ridiculous. It's so hard to make that. And then the body control, the athletically, this is why, athletes are geniuses in their own right. Like they're not, we're not, we might not be mathematicians, but we watch a Christian Watson, the ability to manipulate your body back as you're running full speed back over here and be just having the wherewithal and the body control to do that. I mean, it's so, so impressive. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the backs, the back end zone, when they're actually, they actually plant the safety back there to double and the guy safety gets caught watching and it gets beat across the, uh, across the back of the end zone. But Christian Watson is a um, – everybody knows he's athletically gifted. Um, everybody knows he's got an incredible amount of upside, and it's just a question of putting it all together. And, and, you know, from here, it's like how do you keep evolving? How do you – how are you able to be effective on every part of the route tree and, like, all of that kind of stuff in the future? But for right now, it's like you always ride the wave of success when you're an athlete and things are going well. You just want to ride this wave and get, like, as much out of it as you can because you know there's going to be ebbs and flows in the, in the season. And right now he's full of confidence. And so it's like, keep feeding him the ball and giving him opportunities to be successful while he's riding this wave of confidence. Totally agreed. Uh, let's flip to the other side of the ball. want to talk about defense a little bit. It's an interesting game. You go field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown on the first four drives. Don't really stop him moving the ball. You do stop him in the red zone twice to hold the field goals, which was huge early in the game. And it's feeling like, all right, they scored on their first four drives. Like, how is this going to end? And then you get to 21-19, they get the three and out. And then it's 24-19, they get the interception, 27-19, and they get the, the stop at the end of the game. They stop Patrick Mahomes three times, game on the line at the end of the game. What did you see from this Packers defense? Is it Was it good enough? Was it trending? They're like, how, how are you kind of uh, viewing this Packers defense right now? Well, it's it's difficult. There's there's so many dynamics there, right? It's like that's why contextual intelligence when you talk about stats and everything is I think is so important for, for people to understand. So the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, were averaging going into the game somewhere around 23 points a game. They they get 19, so you go okay, you're holding below the average, and you're holding below 20, which is kind of that magic number to, to kind of yep. expect the win. So you're excited about that, certainly. Um, you're excited about the turnover from Keyshawn Nixon. You're excited about the early sacks they held him out of the end zone from from Preston and from 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 Sean Gary. Uh, what you're not excited about is this team is still just struggling against the run. I mean, Pacheco, I think, averaged over six yards a carry. I think they gave up 100, almost 150 yards on the ground. And it, for me, it went back to, and you know, I'm very biased towards just for, for games where you're going to have to stop the run to put Isaiah McDuffie in over some other players. But it goes back to how you attack the line of scrimmage or the lack thereof really 
takes a toll on those defensive linemen up front. And then obviously if we're catching at the second level, you just see a guy falling forward continuously for those kind of yards. That Kansas City Chiefs team is not clicking on all cylinders right now. I think that's everybody would tell you the same. Patrick Mahomes has the worst quarterback rating of his, of his career, I believe. So it's where we caught them at a good time, certainly. And you, you can't knock the, the abilities of Valentine and Valentine, the way that those guys have stepped up and played. And guys are playing good football. So I, I don't want to dismiss like a 19-point game against Kansas City Chiefs is great. But as you look at the Green Bay Packers as a playoff team now or a playoff contender, it's like, what is the number one thing you need to do in the playoffs? You need to win the line of scrimmage battle. You need to be able to stop the run. And this defense has to has to have, to have some soul-searching opportunities here to figure out what they can do at a much, much higher level to stop that portion of, uh, of the offense. Yeah, you, you beat me to the, the next point and the next question is that, like, you are seeing some level of success with this defense, but the run defense is still abysmal. 4.5 yeah. yards per carry, 30th in the NFL, and – like it, there's certain statistics that don't pass the eye test. That one clearly passes the eye test. Um, you've mentioned in the past, like the the catching on the second level, there was a ton of that in this game. Pacheco's powering through runs. There was a couple bad angles from the safeties. Like mm-hmm. I understand some of the stuff, and especially against Patrick Mahomes of wanting to play too high safeties and things like that. But it just has to be a lot more sound of how you're coming down in the box, making those tackles and making sure that you're rallying. And there's the play where they rally to the football and Pacheco in the offensive line still push him, pushes him for like seven, eight more yards. So that yeah. to me is still a pretty major concern. And I think as we sort of transition on to Packers giants and what they need to do in this game coming up, I go back to that Steelers game because to me, it's similar where the Steelers wanted to run the football Green Bay still played a lot of too high shell, worried about, you know, getting beat deep. They transitioned later in the game, but the Steelers rush for 200 plus yards. Kenny Pickett never really beats them through the air, but they give up enough points to get beat. And I look at the Giants this way in a similar way of like, they're going to want to establish Saquon Barkley. And if you allow him and that Giants rush offense to go for 200 yards, like you did against Pittsburgh, you've got an opportunity for failure and for a loss. I think they have to play this differently than they did against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, single safety. You know, there's a comment. I think coach made a comment about. Hey, listen, we're missing, we're, we're missing kind of entry lanes in single safety high, and we're getting run on single safety high, which is you know a, a real no no for for football fans. Like if you've got one safety, and that means you have seven or eight in the box. Like it's it's time to buckle up your chin strap, and you need to be playing downhill a little bit better than we're playing. So they're not filling the gaps the way they they need to, and certainly they're missing some tackle opportunities. But I, you know, for me, it all stems from you can take all that you know secondary play away. It all stems from your ability at your second level to fill gaps and create one-on-one matchups with those with those defensive tackles and defensive ends. We didn't do a good job of that last week, certainly transitioning into this Giants game and looking forward. The number one thing is really stop Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's I think that's the only thing that really when you look at their offense that's the only thing that matters they've got some play some players out there i like the way tommy devito goes out there and shows a little swagger but if if tommy devito goes out and pulls a jake browning and just drops 27 28 points you know on, on the green bay packers defense because he's throwing for three touchdowns then you know you just kind of like tip your cap to him and go yep all right was it wasn't our day but if you go out and give up 150 or 200 to saquon barkley then shame on you because there's just no and especially if you watch the giants team I really like, I think his name is John or Michael John uh, Schmitz, Schmitz Jr., right? Schmitz, okay, the, sec- the the center. That's a huge matchup in this game, him versus TJ, him versus Kenny. They ask him to do a lot as far as single blocking in their middle zone, which Saquon loves to run. But if you look across the board here, like this isn't a very, what I would say, athletically gifted line group. 
Like yeah. you should not lose to these guys. They'll bring in an extra lineman. He doesn't, he's not really effective, to be fair. Waller's not going to be in this game. Right. You're almost hoping that Evan Neal, Neal plays. I think he's not as good as the guy that's backing him up, Tyree Phillips. I think Tyree Phillips has played much better. I think Rashawn Gary versus Evan Neal is the matchup that everybody from in, in uh, Wisconsin would like to see. Right. And then you have Andrew Thomas, who's a good player on the other side, and, and, and he'll do his thing, I think. But when you look across this line, there's no reason. And then you're looking at the third string quarterback. Yep. There's no reason here you're not attacking the line of scrimmage on every snap. Right. If they if they want to get you with some play action stuff, because the other thing you got to remember about this, this guy, when you watch tape, they give up six sacks to the New England Patriots who don't have a real like premium pass rusher right now. OK, so when you why are you giving up sacks? Well, you get beat one. But two, this guy's pocket presence is not where it needs to be. Like he's you know, he's hearing footsteps. Things get heated up a little bit and he's always looking for the big play. So they've hit some down the down the field passes. But. If you get six sacks on a team, you know, the Patriots offense is unwatchable. But, you know, you give up six sacks, you only give up 10 points, and you should be winning every game. Totally agreed. I think that offensive line versus the Packers defensive front is, as you mentioned, the key to the game and making sure that you're taking Saquon Barkley out of it. Anything else that you're looking at from this Packers-Giants game on maybe the opposite side of the ball or anything in general um, that Green Bay can do to try to make sure they're winning this one? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is – just like we talked about last week, I mean, I think the menu for the Green Bay Packers or, or like the the checklist doesn't really change for the rest of the season. You know, and what is that? It's like, well, let's let's win first down. So let's put ourselves in advantageous positions on second and medium, third and short, and be able to you know move the sticks. Why is that important in this game? Because kind of like we did last week, the Giants linebackers play five yards off the ball, and if this is this game really for me is like if Dexter Lawrence plays, you got one thing going on. Yeah. And if Dexter Lawrence's hamstring doesn't allow him to play, it is a completely different game because they got nobody in that box that you're worried about. And you should be able to double team all the way up to those linebackers. Those linebackers are the key to the game, really. If you sit there and watch tape, when they move, something's happening. If they move up, they're running dogs. If they move back, they're they're holding fast and you can you can double team all the way up to them. So you should be able to not only win first down, but off of that. All your line of scrimmage checks, all your motion stuff, they're running a lot of quarters, a lot of man coverage. You can do it by crossing the ball. You can figure out exactly what they're doing. And back to how well Jordan loves playing and the reasons why, this is that opportunity then, okay, they're in quarters, they're in man. We know exactly what we're running. Everybody's on the same page, right? It's like identify, communicate, and execute. And I think they're going to be doing that at a high level this week. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Love is getting to that trust your eyes, trust your guys motto like really, really fast right now. And – I think this is like a six-point game, and this is the first time I'm like, I, I don't think that's enough. Like, I don't, I just don't see how they put up points against the Packers. I love it. I, I'm so excited for this one. To me, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence. It's not only just like, can he play, but can he play like Dexter Lawrence? Because yeah. if he can, like you said, that changes some things. He's a phenomenal football player. If he's playing, but he's half of himself, or if he can't play, that's going to change things up quite a bit for that Giants defense. And the other thing for me is, to me, this game is far, far less – about Packers versus Giants than it is Packers versus Packers. The Packers in these sort of games, the only time they're losing is when they're beating themselves. And we mm. saw it a little bit against uh, Denver. We saw it a little bit against Atlanta. We saw it a little bit against uh, the Raiders. Like those are games that there were times where Green Bay was beating themselves. If Green Bay plays with the same level of focus and intensity that they have over these past few weeks, I like like you said, I like Green Bay by more than six in this one as well. The final thoughts. Yeah, I was just gonna say this is a start fast game. Like, can you start fast? Get together. Yeah, I mean, if you get the, if you get this to be a 10 point, 14 point game by the beginning of the second quarter, you third string quarterback. I mean, it's it, it's just it's math, guy. You take the best player out of the field. 
I, you have to say this. If you like watching football, though, go watch Dexter Lawrence versus the Washington Commanders. Just, I mean, if you like watching football, that dude had himself an absolute day until he got hurt. Oh, my goodness. He just, I mean, it would give a center absolute nightmares. Like, if you're a center, you like watching offensive line play, don't watch it. But if you're a fan of football, that Dexter Lawrence team versus the Commanders is absolutely off the chain. I think not to that same level, but I think he gave Green Bay a lot of problems last, last year. year. In, yeah, in their, it wasn't good. Game. Yeah, and he's one of those guys too. You can tell where like his trash talking is kind of funny. Like you can tell he's not saying like he's not talking about your mom or anything. He's just talking about like how bad he's beating you, how easily it is. Like you don't, you know, I don't, you know, you punch me, nothing happens. Like it's it's kind of matter of fact jokes, which like really are demoralizing for offensive linemen. I'm a big Very, fan. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Luka Doncic trash talk last night against Chris Dunn, but they're complaining and and Lucas just basically like he's only upset because he can't stop me. He's like just going on about it. And he's like, it was amazing. Uh Mike, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff as always. Enjoy these every single week. Tell everyone where we can find you on social and uh your YouTube channel. Yeah, at Michael68 on Twitter, uh, or X process to perform on Instagram. You can find our uh our on my block podcast. We just sent out the preview show this morning for this Giants Packers game. It's on the process to perform channel on YouTube. So Andy, thanks always, always for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Make sure to go check that out. Of course you can find Mike every week here on the Packaday podcast. You can follow the podcast at Packaday podcast. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL for Mike, for me, that's going to do it for us this week, but until next time, and as always go Pack go. Mm-hmm.